Well, I'm glad to see you. You didn't have any trouble getting here, did you? Yeah, it was okay this morning. The weather was great, and you could come in. Ray was talking about Bill getting stuck in the, because of all the bad weather trying to fly out. And so uh, we're glad to welcome those who are worshiping with us online as well. Hope you were able to get here easily. Uh, you know, my, the moral of the story for me was that God just doesn't want you to go to Las Vegas. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but, hey, I'm, that's just me. I don't know, you know. Anyway, we've been talking about a blueprint for a better church. Now, we're already in a great church. We're grateful for this church. God has blessed us. But, you know, we can always get better. Amen? Amen. Yeah, so we want to do the best we can to be the church God has called us to be. Because God didn't give us a small commission. He gave us a, a great commission. That's right. Let's try that again. God didn't give us a small commission. He gave us a... <clears throat> yes, that's what he gave us. Good. So I want you to hear me. To be the best church we can be, we'll leverage everything to reach the people who don't know Christ, to reach people no one is reaching. We'll do things that nobody else is doing. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to step out of your comfort zone, do something you've never done before? Maybe you can minister to another person. So I want to talk about people who are far from God. Now, if you look at the second chapter of Mark today, we're going to talk about this. And I'm doing this story a little out of sequence, okay? So I'm going to tell you about the last thing that happened that we're going to talk about first, and then I'm going to come back and review that. What really happened... Uh, first, Jesus was in this house, and he was teaching, and so they, the people, it was so full, you couldn't get in, and so some guys brought a guy to Jesus, and they couldn't get in. They went on the roof. They lowered him down by a mat. We're going to talk all about that so that he might be healed, okay? He was paralyzed. And then after Jesus got through in the house, he went outside by the lake, and he started preaching to the people there. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, there are people outside the house that are listening who can't get in, and maybe some of those people or first-time people. Maybe they've never heard Jesus before. Maybe they're just standing outside. They hear about him coming. They hear what he's saying, and, and he really touches a nerve with them. They really connect with him. And so maybe they go to this world. Well, let's go hear this guy. He's pretty good. Let's go follow and see what he has to say. And so they do. And then immediately after that, what happens is he goes to this guy named Levi, who's a tax collector. And tax collectors were not popular in those days, okay? So when I say tax collector here, I want you to respond, okay? Are you ready? You're going to say, boo, okay? <laughs> tax collector. Okay, that's good. You did pretty good on that. So, you know, nobody wanted to be around a tax collector, but Jesus did. And he goes to his house. Yeah, just the one time. But thanks for playing. Thanks for playing. I appreciate that. At least somebody's listening besides my mother. Okay, so there you go. So, they, so what happens is he says, I'm going to go to your house. And, we're gonna, and, and, and so the Pharisees come along and they go, why does Jesus eat with sinners? Well, why does Jesus eat with sinners? Well, because that's who he came for. He, he didn't come for the people who were healthy. He came for the people who were sick. He didn't come for the people who were righteous. He came for the people who were struggling, who were full of sin, who were far from God. And, you know, if, if you think about it, a lot of the people that we're uncomfortable with today, people who make us nervous, people that we're not really connected with, people who are different from us, those are the people that Jesus is going to spend time with. Those are the people that he wants to reach. And you know what else he wants? He wants us to have a sensitivity and a love for those folks too. He wants us to care about the people he cares about. He wants us to reach out to people. Okay? So in, in this chapter, Jesus heals this guy. 
okay, in the house, and then he leaves from there. Now, he goes to this guy named Levi, and you'll see these names interchange sometimes in Scripture. Because, and write this down because this is valuable info, okay? Levi is the Hebrew name. Matthew is the Greek name, but it's the same guy. Okay, so it's interchangeable there. You can use it for both of them. Sometimes Jesus, he went to Simon, and what did he do? He changed his name to Peter. That's right, yeah. It was not the small commission. It was the good. Okay, good. Just checking to make sure you're still with me because a while ago you didn't get that right, okay? But, hey, I'm not bitter. We're going to move on here, okay? So now Jesus, you know, when he hears these Pharisees talking about uh, why does Jesus eat with sinners? He said, I, I didn't come for the healthy people. I came for the people who are far from God, the people who are not righteous. He came for the sick and the broken and the sinners. And so, you know, here's what I want you to see. When I was growing up and I got saved, I got really excited about my faith. And so I went out and I tried to get everybody else saved right then. I wanted all my friends to get, just come on, get on the bus. We're all going to heaven together right now. I don't care that it's not on your agenda. I don't care that you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't care that you're not interested. Come on, we're all getting saved right now. Anybody else do that? rest of you just want everybody to go to hell. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody in here cares about folks who are far from God. Is that what you're telling me? Man, I'm going to have to preach a long time today to get through to y'all. Talk about a tough crowd. Man, that's, that is just amazing. Why are you here if you don't care about these lost people? That just blows my mind. I'm worried about these folks. Lord, let's just pray for these people to get saved right here. Okay. So that's what he's concerned about. And I wanted, but you know, later on, some of my friends that I, I tried to witness to, you know, and I prayed for, they got saved. And they came back and told me about one guy went into ministry later on. I was so shocked. I didn't know it. But, you know, I was excited for him. So that's what I want to talk to you about, reaching people who are far from God. Now, in Mark 2, we're going to go into this. And, and I'm going to read the scripture to you as it gets started because we're going to talk about the first thing now. A few days later, later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, uh, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man, the mat uh, that he was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And so that's what I want you to see. That's the story. And, and so I want you to get this today. Now, think about this. We will leverage everything to reach people who don't know Christ. Before Jesus heals this guy, though, I want you to see what he does. What does he do? The first thing he does before he heals, because see, they brought him to be healed. They said, our buddy needs to be healed. He's paralyzed. And the first thing Jesus does is he forgives his sins. Did you notice that? Now, here's what that teaches us. You and I may have friends that need to know Jesus, right? And so we don't have to diagnose all of their needs. We just have to bring them to Jesus. We just take them to Jesus and introduce them to Jesus. And then Jesus takes care of their needs. He prioritizes them. He decides what he's going to do first, what he's going to do second, how he's going to minister to them. He knows what they need better than we do. So we just get them there. 
And then we turn them over to Jesus, and Jesus takes it from there. So today I want you to rate yourselves on a scale. We did this last week. How many of you were here? You did it last week, right? And so what I want you to do, you know, one is the lowest, and ten is the highest. How are you doing in rating yourself and reaching people far from God? Some of you may be really passionate. Some of you may have led somebody to Christ this past week. Some of you brought somebody to church with you. You've already got somebody here today. You've already figured out who you're bringing next week. And so you might rate yourself pretty high. Some of you, though, might be on the lower end of that because last week you didn't even pray for anybody and you didn't even think about bringing somebody to church. In fact, it's been a long time since you brought anybody to church. You're just proud of yourself because you got here today, right? You're not thinking about anybody. Obviously, in this crowd, you're not thinking about anybody else because we talked about that a little while ago. I'm the only one who cares about lost people. The rest of you are just pagans. That's what you're telling me, okay? So where, where do you rate yourself on this scale? Because I want to show you four thoughts now as we walk through this scripture together. First, God calls Jesus' followers to bear some burdens. He calls you to get out of your comfort zone, to care about people who are far from God, and to bear some burdens, to care for people who are hurt. It says, some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And here's, here's what I want you to see. They carried this guy. They took him to Jesus. You know, a lot of times you might, well, not you, but other people might invite somebody to church, right? But have you ever offered to go by and pick them up? No, not you, but listen to me, okay? You could go by and pick them up and bring them there. You see, we're going to get you there, they said. We're not just going to tell you about Jesus is in town. You might want to go. Hey, there's a concert. I didn't know if you heard I didn't see you on social media, so I thought I'd share it with you, okay? Now, they said, no, we're going to come. And it, what, it, what it makes me think is that these guys were part of a life group. I think they did life together. I think they were friends. And I think they said, we, we love our friend, our buddy here, and we're going to take care of him. You know, I heard about in our church. I heard about a group that's a small group, a life group together, and one person had surgery, and after surgery, that person came to the group's house, came to one person in the group's house, and, and they recuperated there at the house. Why? Because they're friends, because they care about each other, because they do life together, because they pray for each other. And so, you know, this is my small group. We were out the other night, Friday night, we were out at, at Olive Garden. And uh, a friend of Laura's retired from the school system. And so we went to that. And then they invited us to go to dinner. And so we were there. And, uh, and we ran into uh, a lady from our church. And she said, hey, hey, we're here with our group, our small group, our life group. And they were meeting at Olive Garden. They were over there sharing because and, and, they're friends. They, and they, they were, she introduced, these are the people I love. I spend time with them. We're all together. We're so grateful to be here. And I thought, well, that's wonderful. That's a, that's a blessing. And then I forgot my medicine. I had to go back because I'm elderly. I'm older. But, hey, I'm, I'm standing up today. You know, I was able to take nourishment. So I had to go out and get my medicine before I ate. And I went out to the truck, and I was going back inside. And as I was walking back inside, somebody said, hey, you're barely moving, old man. Can you walk a little faster? And it was a member of our church because they loved me. They loved me, and they wanted to express that to me. And so they shared that. And you know who it was? It was the person who had had surgery that was recuperating. Yeah. 
She had surgery. She's doing great. Apparently, I'm not doing so well, but she's wonderful, okay? So the deal is, what we want to do is reach out to people and just be a part of a group. And I think that's what they did. They said, we're going to take this guy, this buddy of ours, to Jesus. You know, because what happens today is we have drive-by witnessing. Are you familiar with this? People do drive-by witnessing. They drive up, roll the window down, say, hey, God loves you, and I do too. Go to my church. Bye. Zip, and they go. They leave like that. And that doesn't work, does it? Because people want relationships today. They want to communicate. In fact, the younger generation is so interested in communicating with each other, they're online all the time. And they're telling you what they're eating at Olive Garden. You're finding out all this stuff. You get all this information without even going to church, see, because they, they, they've told all about, well, let me tell you, I was at Olive Garden. Let me tell you what happened. And so people care about each other. They want a relationship. And when people know you care about them, they'll listen to you. When people know that, that you are their friend, you're not just trying to convert them or get something out of them, then they will trust you and they will listen to you and you can minister to them. So you can share your faith with people that you love. As followers of Jesus, we need to bear some burdens. We don't just invite people, we bring people. That's what these guys did. And what happens today is there's some people that we just kind of have our backs turned to. We don't mean to. It's not intentional. You ever come to church and you see your friends and you want to go talk to them? You know, it's a friendly crowd. I've seen it in all the services. When we give you all a chance to talk to each other, sometimes I just have to stand around and wait for you to get through, you know. Because you like, And I'm glad. I'm glad you like each other because that's the kind of church you want to be a part of, you know. But here's the point. When you get together like that and you share time together like that, um, you know, sometimes there's people you don't notice because you're, you're so focused and you just want to talk to your friends, right? But there are people. There might be somebody here today for the first time. There might be a person who's never even been to church before. You might be somebody here who just kind of saw the sign and walked in today. And maybe, you know, you just kind of look around and go, well, I'm going to find somebody that I don't really know. And I'm not going to tell them, you know, that maybe I've never seen them here before because they could be charter members. I don't know, you know. But it's okay. But just I'm going to say hi to them. I'm just going to, you know, speak to them as I pass by today. I'm just going to try to love them a little bit. Because, you know, there are people in need. And you don't know what they're going through. I mean, they may come here and it may be the end of their rope. You know, this may be their last chance. And they're just waiting. And it's, it depends on the way you respond to them as to how their life ends up. Because we really want to bear some burdens. For people who are hurting, we want to be there. For people who are crying, we want to cry with them. When people have a baby, you want to go to the baby shower. When the mom dies, you want to be at the funeral. When they're in need, you want to bear some burdens. And we just don't drive by and shout, Jesus loves you. But we get to know them and love them. Now, second, God is going to call us to break some barriers. That's the next thing. You know, we're going to bear some burdens, but we're going to break some barriers. The story about these guys is that they were willing to break some barriers. Since they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Now, I want you to get this picture. If you go to Israel today, you go there and everybody has a roof. It's a flat roof. And there are steps outside the house. And everybody has it. And, and they, what they do in the cool of the evening, they go sit on the roof and feel the breeze up there. And just, it's a pleasant, it's like we would sit on the porch, you know, and swing. They, they go up on the roof. They still do that today. 
And so back in that day, they, they did that. They had steps. They could go up. They could get on the roof. And it's usually a flat roof. But that roof was made a little differently. It wasn't the same material, obviously. But they kind of had straw and mud and different things, and they made a roof together up there. So these guys get there. There's four of them. They're carrying this guy on the mat. He's paralyzed. And so they said, we can't get in. So what do we do? Let's take him up on the roof. What's he going to do on the roof? Well, we're going to dig the roof apart, tear it up, and we're going to lower him down. We're going to do what? We're going to tear the roof up on the house to get our friend to Jesus. Anybody want to sign up for that plan right here? I mean, we've had a hurricane. It probably can't be too hard with some places, right? We're just going to take the blue tarp off and lower this guy down, right? Because there's not even a roof there, right? You know, would you be willing to do something like that? Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who stays in the lines. I don't want to break any barriers or do anything radical like that. But these guys say, we don't care. what. We're going to get our friend to Jesus. Now, in those days, there was about three feet between the beams. And so they turn this guy sideways, and they, they take the roof apart. And Jesus is in there teaching. Can you imagine? Stuff starts falling down. Talk about distracting. I would have gotten ticked off, but Jesus is cool with it. He just goes right on. And then, then you know, he's making point number two, and they start lowering this guy down, you know, into the room. <laughs> and he get, and so he, they, they've got his attention now. And Jesus is the kind of guy that you can't interrupt. Have you ever noticed that? You can't interrupt Jesus because he just goes with the flow. Whatever happens, he just takes, and so he just stops. And he goes, okay, let's take care of this before I move on because this is important. It's before me. And so that's what they did. You know, people would go on their roof to take a nap back then. They still do that today. So these guys get their friend to Jesus. How determined are you? How determined are you to get your friends to Jesus? Would you be willing to break some barriers for that to occur? And then what happens after you do that? Well, the broken get blessed. That's number three. In Mark, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, that's the first thing he does. He doesn't heal the guy first. He just forgives him of his sin. The paralyzed man is in heaven today because his friends took him to Jesus. Who's going to be in heaven because you took your friend to Jesus? Who's going to be there someday? Because of what you did, something radical you did, who stepped out of your comfort zone to minister to somebody. See, we don't have to worry about diagnosing our friends. We just take them, and Jesus takes care of that. And then Jesus says to him in Mark 2, 11, I tell you to take up your mat and go home. Take up your mat and go home. So not only does he save him, but he also heals the man. And the man was changed forever. I mean, this changed his life. Now, I want you to imagine that you are a beggar who has a mat. And every day, if you want money or food, you have to sit there and beg. You have to sit on the mat. People are used to you. They've seen you all your life. They've walked past you. Some of them have given you something. And so you're just kind of down there in the dust, right? And now Jesus saves you, and he heals you. And is your life going to be different now? You know, the Bible doesn't tell us what happens to this guy, but I just started imagining what would happen to the guy. And if it were you, what would you do? And here's what I think. Now, this is not biblical, but here's what I think would happen. I think this guy, his whole life was changed. I think he got up and he started going out trying to help other people. 
All his life, he'd been the guy who was receiving. Now he wanted to give something back. I think he looked into the eyes, eye to eye now, with the people who had blessed him and given him. I think he went out and tried to do stuff for them. I think that he was just lit up all the time, and he was just tuned in to how he could help people in his hometown because they had helped him. What could he do to minister to them? The Bible doesn't say this, but I think that he took his mat home. And I think he, he hung it up on the wall in the front room. And then people came over to his house and they said, what's this? He said, well, I'm glad you asked. That's my mat. That was my prized possession. That's all I had. I sat on that thing all my life and I begged and I pleaded for people to help me. And I depended on them to get by in life because I couldn't do anything to make a living for myself. And so that, I hung on to that thing. If I didn't have that, I just had to sit in the dirt. And then Jesus came by one day, <laughs> and he blessed me. And some of my buddies, they took me, and they lowered me down, and, and Jesus saved me. And then he healed me. And now, you know, I, I can go to work. I can make a living. I can go out and help other people in need. You know, the days pass by slowly when you're paralyzed. You're just sitting there. You're watching the world go by. You're just a spectator. You don't get to participate. But, you know, Jesus changed all of that. And this is still my prized possession. That's why I hang it on the wall because now, now I get to tell people about Jesus. They come in. I tell people what he did for me. And I say, he can do that for you if you will just ask. And I get a front row seat to watch God work every week. Because I'm constantly telling people about Jesus because I tell them about my mat and they accept Christ and I just get to watch it. It's wonderful. It's amazing. And I never knew that God could use me to do so much for other people. I mean, he blessed me, but he's blessing other people now because of it. And, you know, I, I invite those people to my church. And most of them come because we're friends. And I tell them about what Jesus can do, which leads us to point number four. The body of Christ gets bigger. You see, when you get excited about what Jesus is doing in your life, you've got to tell somebody else. When I got saved, I went out and I started telling my friends in high school. I started telling them about it. I wanted them to know about it. I wanted them to experience it. To reach people no one's reaching will do things that no one else is doing. And in Mark, it says he took up his mat. He walked out in full view of all of them. In other words... He's in the house. Now he's healed. There's people outside the house because they can't get in. And now everybody gets to see what Jesus did for this guy. And what does it say? This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Wouldn't you say that? Wouldn't you say if a guy was paralyzed, a girl was paralyzed, and, and Jesus healed that person, and you watched it happen, wouldn't you? Hey, man, we, let me tell you what happened at church. And you're going to tell people about that, aren't you? And so they're excited about it. And then it goes on from there after that. And then it says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. So he's in the house. He heals the guy. The guy comes outside, the people stand around, see him, and then Jesus says, hey, we're going to have church down here if you want to go. Okay, sign me up. <laughs> I'm going. I want to hear what he's got. And so you see how he just builds on that? You see how he uses all that to draw other people in? And now more people can hear because he's out at the lake there. And he begins to, they went out and had church. 
they went out and had church again. And, and other people could come and be ministered to. Because the church was the focus. It was, it was the people. And it was people bringing people. It was people discipling people. Several hundred years ago, the church was the center of the community. You might have a little bitty town that had a church in it, right? And what happened? Well, we delegated innovation in the church to Apple. And we handed off creativity to Hollywood. And we let the government take care of the poor people, even though we were really in a better shape to do that. we got to stop going to church and start being the church. Because that's what God's called us to do. Jesus doesn't call the healthy people. They're in good shape. He calls the people who are sick. He calls the people who need to know him to see what he's done and how our only reasonable response is to give our lives to him. A church full of people who bear burdens and get involved in other people's lives and break barriers in order to get their friends to Jesus. The sick are healed, the desperate sinners are saved, and who knows how many people can be forgiven. One of the things we do is we watch our services online. You hear us talk about it. We say, hey, we've got live streaming, and you can go to church. And here's what we'd love to happen. So live streaming, folks, we're talking to you, okay? And what we want to see happen is we want to see you not only watch the services and maybe you and, and a family member or something like that, but maybe you could get together with your friends, and you could watch the service together as a small group or a life group. Maybe several of you could come to the house together or, or a park or wherever, wherever you can do this, get together and, and then kind of watch the service. And then maybe you could have a small group, a life group, and talk about the sermon together. You know, we have people in our church who do that. Sometimes they tell us about it. They say, you know, we were at home and we had family come in. Y'all ever have family come in? They, in Florida? <laughs> what days do we not have family come in in Florida, Right. So they come in and you go, well, I don't guess we're going to church because we got family. Nay, nay. We're just going to do it right here at the house. And, you know, they get engrossed in it. They enjoy it. And we've had testimonies. They say, oh, I want to see that. And then after it's over, they start asking questions and talking about it. It's a blessing. We just love to see that happen. If you can't be here, you got family, then just go online. Watch it and then y'all talk and then tell me about it, okay? Another opportunity, we talked about lavish ministries last week. Did you know we got girls, ladies in the church who are helping people who are caught up in the commercial sex industry, including strip clubs, brothels, escorts, and pornography. They go in and they try to help these people transition. They go in and get to know them. They pray for them. They minister to them. And they try to help them. Well, isn't that what Jesus would do? We're going to do things. We're going to leverage everything to do things that nobody else is doing because we want to reach people. That's who Jesus would be going to eat with. That's who Jesus would spend time with. And sometimes we're afraid to think outside the box. Do you ever get nervous because somebody's different from you? Do you ever think, well, I, yeah, somebody ought to help them, but not me. But somebody ought to, right? But because you're nervous about it. Well, I want to share this poem, and I'm going to close with this, okay? But I want you to think of it in these terms. What if somebody different came to church today? How would you minister to them? You know, I've been telling you about my satellite campus. I go to Tom Thumb all the time. I get my newspapers, right? And I've been talking to people. Some of them call me preacher, and some of them call me parishioner or, 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 or padre, and I call them parishioner. And so we, we visit together. That's my satellite campus. You know about that, right? <laughs> Just nod your head and humor me. You'll get out earlier if you'll work with me, okay? 
So I go in there, and so I'm talking to people, and they start watching us online, right? And so I invite them to come. Okay, we're going to come. And I told you last week, my friend came from Tom Thumb and his wife and his daughter. And then she came back to the youth group Wednesday night, right? And she liked it, and it was great. And then Thursday morning, I was going to Bible study, and I stopped in real early because I have to be here at 630, so I'm in a hurry. And I go in to get my two newspapers, and my friend there that came to church starts talking to me about God, right? And I said, I don't have time to talk to you about God right now. I'm on my way to Bible study, okay? <laughs> but he came back today. He's here, so it's cool, okay? But, you know, sometimes if we just kind of think about it a minute, we go, okay, Jesus, I'll do that. Okay, all right, it makes me uncomfortable, but I'll give it a try. A visitor came to a church of great name, and he didn't have shoes on his feet. His hair was quite long, and the people all moaned how dare he should come here to meet. He sat in a pew with a man that he knew, but the man moved a few seats away. And the look of surprise in the visitor's eyes turned to hurt as the folks bowed to pray. As they sang from the book, the people chanced a quick look at the stranger who stood in their midst. But the preacher grew shrewd of the crowd's attitude, and he stood up and lifted his fist. Folks, it tells in this book, and his voice almost shook, of a stranger the preacher began. Not one place can I find that his hair was like mine or his feet were all shod in brogan. Not a set of his dress, maybe God thought it best that we judge not by fad nor by fashion. All your garments depart when God looks on your heart. Best you clothe it with love and compassion. There's a stranger today who has come here to pray who is different than you in his style. Now, his feet are not shod, but I dare say that God, due to dress, will not put him on trial. Let us know it or not that no garments we've got will add prestige to us in God's sight. For the stranger you've shunned may well be the one whom the Lord feels is best dressed tonight. The stranger looked down at his feet on the ground. Only he knew just why they were bare. A beggar that day without shoes passed his way. And the stranger had given his pair. As the sermon did close, everyone quickly froze. The crowd sat in silence and fear. In the pulpit there stood a cross made of wood, and some shoes at their base did appear. I was roaming the street with no shoes on my feet. Came a voice, but no one could see. And as much as was done to the very least one, this stranger has done unto me. Now from all of that crowd who once had been proud of the manner and dress they did choose, heaven's judge did declare that the best dressed one there was the stranger without any shoes. I see a church. Yeah, you can clap for that. I see a church who says, you know what? We're willing to leverage everything, everything, to reach people far from God. Do you? Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this opportunity to worship you today. And we pray, Lord, that you might enable us now to go out and be your hands and feet and voice and heart. We pray in your son's name. Amen. You've got a connection card to drop in the basket if you would. Let me know your prayer concerns and I'll be glad to pray for you.